Somewhere out there, there's a man on a park bench eating his 500th PB&J. He has no idea Papa John's has new papadillas that are way better than a boring sandwich. With Papa John's best meats, cheeses, and veggies hand-folded into a crispy flatbread crust. Someone better tell that man. Get a new papadilla in one of four flavors for just six bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. Papa John's. Not valid with discounts, fees, and taxes. Extra prices may vary. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. This podcast is gaining a lot of recognition for being a go-to resource for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, it's been on MSNBC's Your Business, Inc.com, Fit Small Business, Proven Blog, um, and a whole bunch of other sites. Um, so we're really thrilled about that. Uh, it really is due to the guests that we have the um, pleasure of speaking with. Um, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy it. I learn something every single time I have a guest on here. And these are folks who have incredible expertise and they come on and we have a great conversation and they share their expertise and their time so that you folks can do better things in your business. Today, I am thrilled uh, to be joined by Joni Fetters. Joni serves as president of Aileron, a national nonprofit committed to offering the guidance and programs needed to help unleash the potential of individuals and small businesses across the country. In her role as president, Joni oversees Aileron's strategic direction, culture, and operational activities. Her leadership and energy inspire and motivate the team and the community as they strive to raise the quality of life one private business at a time. At Aileron, business owners, presidents, and CEOs take classes on leadership, business culture, strategy, advisory board development, and transition planning. One of the country's preeminent think tanks, the campus is credited for improving countless businesses across the country. 
As a past business owner, Joni understands the risks, rewards, and challenges that ownership and professional management bring. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joni. Thank you. I am so thrilled to have you on because growing a successful business and um, overcoming challenges, like all of these things that all of us go through, is so incredibly uh, rewarding. You know, it can be challenging at some at times, but it's rewarding. And so, with the with your experience and the work that you've been doing over there at Aileron, I'm I'm really uh, excited to have this conversation. So, and, and I'd really like to start it with talking some about your life experience and how it's, how you think it's made you the leader that you are today. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know when life doesn't shape you. You know, there's so many experiences, whether we have it, um, a big, big events in our lives or even the small events that, that don't teach us something and they start to shape how we think. Um, they start to shape what we're afraid of. They start to shape what we how we view the world. Um, so as we've gone through uh, conscious leadership um, programming here, the big aha for me is just how important it is to become conscious to your thoughts because you have the choice to change them or to continue to have them and that we live by a lot of rules that we've developed because of those life experiences. So. You know, the simple ones are you touch a hot stove, you've learned not to touch it again. Uh, but over time, we learn a lot about, you know, if I ask a question, people look at me and maybe give me sideways glances. So maybe I learn not to ask questions or I learn not to be curious. I learn not to be open and vulnerable. Um, so I think that's the probably the best um, piece for me is that I've learned over time to become more conscious to those life experiences and, and interactions and figure out why um, I think the way I do or what rules I have in my head. It's really interesting. I never thought about it in terms of that we develop rules based on our experiences, but it, but it really is true. We learn how we are going to show up based on experiences that we've had that have either been good or bad. Mm -hmm. wow. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, they're shaped, and it's funny, we, we do a little bit of an exercise here. Uh, one, one day we sat down on culture and said, you know, what are the unwritten rules we have around here? Because that's what culture is. It's the way we behave, but you don't necessarily find a manual that says everyone shows up at seven or don't touch the donuts. You know, we have a, a woman who's wonderful here. She bakes a birthday cake for every employee on their birthday. But there's a rule, an unwritten rule, that says you don't eat the first piece of cake until the birthday person's been eaten. But how would you ever know that? Um, so it's a really fun conversation to sit down one day at lunch with your team and ask them, what are the unwritten rules around here, which are typically thoughts that they've developed around experiences or what people, the stories people have told um, to get there. Oh, I love that. that. That's really interesting. Huh. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sort of playing that out in my head. So um, that, that is awesome. And I imagine people listening are, are now thinking to themselves, hmm, I wonder what's going on around here. Um, so hopefully they'll engage in that exercise and find out. So if someone's listening and they are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, you know, they, they want to start a business. Is there 
advice that you would give them that would get them, you know, there's certain things they should be considering or thinking about? Yeah, I think it gets back to that mindset again. Um, someone around here always says that, you know, our brains are bad neighborhoods when we're there alone. <laughs> so maybe don't be there alone. Um, and it feels like a lot of people that start businesses are, are awesome from the standpoint that they have the tenacity, the belief that many people don't. And so many people might tell you, you can't do this or it won't work or whatever. So I think over time you learn to shut out others' opinions or feel like you have to go it alone. But in this environment today, it is so collaborative. Um, it, it, it doesn't need to be done alone. And there's actually strength in hearing what others have to say. So how do you listen to what others have to say without taking it like the gospel or that I've got to do this or I can't do that or whatever. But I would say if you're starting a business, capitalize on listening to what's going on in your head and your own gut, as well as what are others uh, giving you feedback on. Um, that seems to be something that maybe we see a lot of people feeling like they have to do it by themselves yeah. and it can get lonely eventually um, that way. Well, that or, or they end up with, the people that they end up listening to are the people closest to them who are also the most fearful, who, mm -hmm. right, don't want them to do it because they're afraid of it. They wouldn't ever, you know, make that decision. And so they have these this negative energy around them that can keep them from doing what they probably should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. It is amazing how many people you know, start um, off with that opportunity. And then there are a lot of people that surround them with fear. And I think over time, you also as a business owner, based on my experience, develop fear because you're so grateful for the business and for people that have joined in when maybe things were unknown and for people putting their hard work against it. And over time, you develop gratitude, but then you also start to develop a fear like, what if we don't make payroll? What if things don't work out? I'm going to let all these people down. Yeah. Um, and so you can start to, you know, develop your own fears um, there that then you start to lead from that platform. So that's a really interesting point. And so I have a question for you about that. What would you say to a small business owner who was in that space of fear? Like, even if it was only them, but they felt maybe they through attrition or, or whatever, they'd lost a couple of clients. And so they were starting to have that fear that they weren't going to make it. And, you know, that fear can take over and then it ends up being just like a cancer. So what, what would you say to them to help them not go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, you've, so, yes, there's been probably some experiences now that you've lost customers. Um, so that can happen. That's reality. They can spend their time focusing on potentially what they learned from that. But what you'd hope they wouldn't do is focus on the past, which is we've lost customers. We've lost customers. So almost what you can do is start to focus on the future. But what can we do? So maybe we can't, yeah. we lost the customer or whatever, but what can we do? Because they've obviously already built from nothing before. And um, I've recently worked with a company, a technology company that went, went through that. 
And it was phenomenal to watch how they responded because they lost, I would say 80% of their business was with one big customer. And out of the blue, uh, after about five years, this customer had to switch gears, nothing due to the technology company they were working with. But this, this management team responded with, okay, let's take this time to assess what we're really good at and what can we do with what we're really good at and how can we make it through the short term, but then what are we going to do? And they came out with a new, actually a new company, um, which was just kind of fascinating to watch, but they focused on the future of what they could be versus what have we lost. That's really great. And, and as you were talking about that, I was reminded that I think we all have to remember that we've seen this movie before, right? Like, like you said, yeah. you know, they, they've done it before where they built something out of nothing. And I think we forget that. Like, I know I end up saying to clients, okay, wait a second. You need to think about times when you were successful at this skill, you know, successful at doing this thing because you have – and it's just a matter of doing it again, but but they end up you know sort of you know getting wrapped up in the what if and thinking in the future instead of just taking action as you said you know just doing something about it and there's a lot of opportunity there if you choose to look at it that way. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so someone decides that they're going to start a business and. I had said earlier that, um, you know, business owners experience different challenges and things, but are there particular challenges that you find small business owners face early on when they're launching their business that maybe, um, you know, someone who's been in business for five, 10 years isn't necessarily going to experience? Uh, yes and no. I, I would think, and I imagine you, I would love to hear your response to that too, but I, I think the, um, there are some different challenges. So I think when I was in the startup phase, um, it was about cash and then there was cash and then there was cash and getting customers and figuring out what your website, you know, was going to be and how you were going to do legal. And there was so much figuring out. So you're, you're in that phase. And I almost feel like you're almost willing to do, you're willing to sell anything. So you start off as a technology company doing something over here, ERP applications, and their client needs like laptops. And all of a sudden you say, oh yeah, we can sell you those too. Um, and so you're, you're scrambling. It's almost like a scramble because you don't know yet exactly what you're good at um, or what the market's going to take. So it's like a big experiment. As you get into it in five or 10 years, you start to find out what's starting to work for you and what's not. And so I think you start to become smarter if you're intentional about it, about what do we say no to and what do we say yes to. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, a switch there. Um, but then you have the same issues such as how do we find good people? Um, how do we grow and scale and you know, when you're in your first year and you only have 10 people, you can walk around and talk to them. But the second year, when you have 40 people, that doesn't work anymore. Um, and I think us, the processes we use, we continue, if you're going to continue to grow, you continue to break, whether you're a startup or whether you're a bigger organization. What about, what's your thoughts? Um, so I agree with everything that you said. And it's funny because I 
think one of the biggest struggles, and I think it happens throughout for an entrepreneur, is staying focused in one place for a period mm-hmm. of time so that they can really plant roots that are deep so that then they can go and explore other sorts of things. I think that that's one thing. The second thing I think I find is that they want to go after the big fish, you know, like the technology company that 80% of their revenue is with one client. They want to go after the big fish, but the big fish takes so much work, so much energy, so much money, and they're probably the margins are probably small that I think it works against them when they're mm-hmm. starting out. You know, I think you can go for a big fish maybe later if you really want to, but I think when you're starting out, you need small and medium to build a really good foundation. I love that thought because I, I know personally we did that. We we went after this large automotive contract, and um, we were, you know, it was, it's almost like that commercial where everybody's going, yes, we landed it. And yeah. then <laughs> the things start clicking, and all of a sudden everybody's faces fall. And, you know, we ended up, realizing that uh, we didn't get paid for months and months and months, yet we were already spending all the resources on it, but they, that's not the way they work. Um, right. And in our, in our customer workshop class that we do here, um, you know, we a lot of times have people say, yeah, we landed the biggest retailer or whatever. And we say, well, what's good about that client and what's not good about that client? And the not good, typically to your point, is 20 times longer than the, the good, and they start to go, oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe we want to look at clients that fit us versus go out and get any client or get the big clients. Right, right, exactly. Like I have this thing called um, chasing bad money, you know, don't chase bad money, because most new small business owners will take any revenue that, that even, you know, has a pulse because they think they need revenue. But yeah. like you said, you know, a big thing is cash, cash flow. You don't need any revenue. You need good revenue if you're really going to be able to grow effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Anything with right? pulse. I like that. Yeah. I also loved your thought on focus because, you know, it's just unnatural. For most entrepreneurs, it's unnatural to be focused. I mean, yeah. that's why they're opportunistic, right? They they yeah. bing all over the place. They see opportunities where others don't see um, what they're seeing. And so they're used to being scattered and all over and seeing things out of the box. And then there's a time when the business needs focus um, in order for it to move forward. And so that almost feels bad. Like, right. didn't say no. I can't say no. I'm, not, I'm an opportunistic person. I always say yes. Um, but the business needs it uh, in order for it to be successful. Exactly. Right. Cause it's not no forever. It's no for now. And you have to be able to say right now I'm working on these initiatives would love to circle back with you later. If, if that, you know, you put it in, in the parking lot, you put it on the list over there so you don't lose it, but you've got to be able to really build traction with where you are right now in order to be able to do those things later. Otherwise you don't do anything well. Right. Absolutely. And that's, you know, in strategic planning, that's strategic planning gets a bad rap because people have gone through it in the um, academic way, which is, you know, and I don't mean anything against academics. I just mean, it's more of like a logistical thing where they go through and say, check, I got a, you know, a 
three priority issues, I got a vision, I got a mission. Um, but a lot of times when you get to those priorities, it's more voting which one's the higher priority versus exactly what you just said, which it's an ongoing process that says, what can we focus on today and what are we going to focus on in a month? Um, so it's not necessarily saying no, it's just it's getting clear clarity on what would we move across the finish line in the next 30 days or 40 days or whatever, um, and then we can move on to the next thing. Right. Exactly, I like that because that's how you get to move on to the next thing. Yep. Right, right. You got to get this one done. So maybe if maybe if they look at it that way and they say, okay, I get it. In order for me to be able to do that, I, it's like in order to have dessert, you have to eat dinner. So in order for me to be able to go do that, I have to do this first, and I have to do this well because that's going to give me the resources and the time and ability to go do that. Yeah, and you know what we found has helped us with that is um, our team is really committed to our clients. They do not want to let our clients down. And so when we tie initiatives to a client, like to a date that they're going to have a program or they're going to come here, or we just had a two-day conference um, for small businesses, and when we tied a lot of what we wanted to get done to that date, it gave us that sense of urgency and focus to get those done and allowed us to say no to other things while we were trying to get those pulled off, and then we can move on. And did it feel bad then saying no to other things? It didn't at all. I mean, I think, you know, you maybe felt a little guilty, like, oh, gosh, I should be getting to some of these other things. But no, because there was this positive energy that knew that it was going towards something that was really important to us, that our clients were going to be here, they wanted to learn. They wanted to work on um, things. We were going to get a chance to connect them to each other. So you focus more on the outcomes and the success that was going to happen around that versus, wow, I'm not getting to all these other things. And you knew that as soon as it was over today, we're back to work working on the next thing. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, it's a technique, I think, that our team's learning how to use. I think that's so great. And I just, Something you just said hit me so hard. You said focus on outcomes and, and results because you're right. I, probably what we do is we spend our time thinking about, oh, I have this to-do list, this whole list of things that I have to get done, and ugh, who wants to do it? You know, it's a list. No one wants to actually yeah. get those things done, but if you tie them to the outcome, then you know you have someplace you're going. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. Okay, I have to take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll continue the conversation. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking with Joni Fetters of Aileron about what it takes to successfully grow a small business. So, Joni, one of the um, 
themes that I heard when we were talking before uh, was uh, really around culture, work culture. So what are some of the signs of a healthy work culture? We just had this wonderful gentleman yesterday speak about um, Nick's Pizza in Chicago. And he talked about how when you get up in the morning, you're excited to go to work or you're looking forward to going to work and you work with people that you like and you work in a productive way. And to me, the sign of a healthy culture means uh, we're able as a team, as a group of people to have positive energy. We're able to accomplish um, the mission and the vision of the organization in a productive, healthy, productive way. So it feels like that's that's some of the signs. Uh, it, it feels like people are kind of aligned, I guess. Um, it's not rigid. And, and, you know, everyone has different cultures that work for them, um, but it's a culture that works for your business of, wow, you know, based on we're all very customer service oriented or uh, we all are very open and honest or we're very professional, whatever those are, whatever those values are, they should be working for you and making it um, a positive energy for your organization. What do you think? Well, I, I agree with that. As you were talking about, and I was just in a meeting this morning uh, with the CEO of Highland Software spoke, and he was talking about the culture there and how the people really like to work together, and, and they have to like to work together because a lot of it is, is team work, you know, doing software development. And then I was just listening to you, and I was thinking that that's really what it ends up being about, that people are happy to be there, that they feel like they're making a difference that they're contributing to something bigger than themselves and that they're valued and appreciated for the things that they're doing. So that really everyone does want to be there that, you know, that they do, they're happy to come to work. As you said at the beginning of that, that, um, that I think business owners struggle with this because, this is going to sound like a weird thing, so it'll be interesting just to, to get your take on this. I think some small business owners struggle with this because they are afraid to trust the people who work for them to do the things they're supposed to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I do think there's a big trust factor there, and I don't think it's natural for people for people, especially entrepreneurs, to work through others. They're used to doing it themselves. They're used to muscling. They're used to going against the grain at the end of the day. Um, so I see a lot through our leadership coaching that one of the big stumbling blocks is trusting others to do it in the way that they want it done. Um, so it does become that, that challenge of how do I set expectations, how do I become clear, but how do I also trust someone else that they can do it my way, but they could probably even do it better in a different way. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I, you know, you have to be able to say, this is the result that I want, and I have to trust that you are, that we're going to get that result and that you might have a different way of doing it and it's either going to be as good or better than the way I do it. 
but you know that's that's a really that can be challenging i think for i mean i hear it from people where they'll say okay well how do i get them to do it the way i do it and my response is you don't you know <laughs> let them do it their way Just, yeah you know, let them know what it is, have benchmarks, have expectations, have consequences, all that stuff. But they're going to be most successful when they're comfortable with their behavior, you know, when they're comfortable with their methodology. Yeah. And I almost feel like sometimes um, it's hard to let go, um, to let others do it because you almost feel like then you can't go back and insert a thought or put a boundary on there or something like that. Um, so it almost feels like understanding what, how you do that is, would help people with that. Um, and the other thing that we've had a really big shift here is so we, we do, we have these wonderful business advisors who work with our clients um, throughout the year so that they can continue to move things forward. And we used to think it was about us giving them our best thinking. So even with our clients, we were, are we trusting that they can do it or should we tell them what, how they should do something? And it was working and people were grateful for the thoughts and advice and the new ideas and stuff. However, the biggest shift happened last year when we started realizing our job was to get them to do their best thinking, not give them our best thinking. Yeah. And as we shifted to that, it was just powerful. Wow. Yeah, that must have been a pretty big shift. It is, and it's still going on. And but I'll tell you, they they are they've got so much more than we could ever provide. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, so that's like you know, t uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime, right? Yeah, because they really have to own the processes and decisions and know that they can come up with the solutions and, and roadmaps on their own. Hmm. I think that's pretty big. Um, was it scary for your <laughs> advisors and consultants to take that leap? Yes. And I, I think for some it was, and for others it was, um, empowering and enlightening for them too, because they they saw the results of people stepping up. And so when they were comfortable with their role is asking good questions, challenging someone on their thought process, um, and then they saw these pe you know people light up and take action and, and have better ideas. There were some that were absolutely ecstatic over it. And then I think there were a couple that saw their value as being the advice monster. And the advice giver, and um, and until they make that shift, that their value was in getting someone else to do better thinking versus I bring my best thinking. I think there was a lot of fear there that I'm not. Yeah. I don't know how to. I don't know how to help somebody. I don't in a different way. Right. Right. That's fast. And you know that applies to us as parents. I mean, if you think about your kids, you grow up telling them kind of what to do. Um, <laughs> And then there becomes a moment in time where they don't want to hear what you have to say. Um, so you have to change the way you help them. And, and some of it can be done in, in the way of 
asking them more questions to get them to think for themselves versus telling them make your bed every day versus yeah. what what what's the benefit of making your bed every day you know what how yeah. do you want to live you know kind of thing <laughs> sorry <laughs> i was just thinking about my kids who like to live as slobs um, you know, whatever uh, at some point is that a hill I really want to die on not really but and it's funny because it's just my son just called me today from college to tell me um, he shouldn't have been 30 seconds late for class because he would have gotten into a different group for this, this group assignment now I said to him you'll work it out I, you know yeah. he, he he's he, he has to learn how to problem solve and I'm probably too used to solving the problem because that's what I, that's always been my role. It's so, this is really interesting because, you know, my entire life, that was my role. Finding things mm-hmm. that were lost, getting knots out of necklaces, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here I am doing the same yeah. thing again. It's, it's hard to, to bite your tongue. Oh, yeah. But well, it's, we're, it's natural. Yeah, as mothers and parents and fathers, it's natural to want to jump in and fix things and make sure everybody's okay, especially I think when you're working and time is limited, um, you're trying to squeeze all these things in in certain days. So I I know I'm completely guilty of over-helping. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I'm learning. And that's the other thing, right? So I would think that something that's really valuable for small business owners to remember is that they're always going through a learning process and things change. And if they can be open to the idea that there are things to learn and watch for, then maybe they won't feel like all of that pressure is on them. Because sometimes I feel like they think they have to have all the answers. That being a leader means they have to be the one with all of the answers. I I agree with you um, 100%. And um, I, I've worked with several wonderful leaders, but but they were coming from that thought that said, you know, in order to be a good leader, I have to have the answer. Instead of, in order to be a good leader, I have to help people find the right answer. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Yeah, huge. The best boss I ever had said to me, would say to me, just go do it. I trust you and tell me about it later. And then, and I was right out of college. And and then one day said to me, do you know what makes me a good manager? And I said, what? He said that I have people like you who know what they're doing, so I don't need to know everything. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. And, And that was so instrumental in my growth as an employee, really, and then as a leader and someone who felt empowered to make decisions and do things and guide other people that, uh, you know, I can't imagine what my track would have been if I hadn't had that experience early on. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky. Um, so, Cause you know, you also experience people who uh, are not great. So if there's a, if there's somebody listening, they're a small business owner and they want to, they've sort of plateaued and they want to, um, you know, really grow. They want to accelerate that growth. Is, are there things they should be looking at or maybe things they should be doing to put that in motion? 
Are you talking growth for them personally or for their business or both? For their business. For their business. Let's start with for their business. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of, um, you know, the change in our marketplace is so dynamic and so quick today that continuing to understand what your customers are buying from you today and what are they going to be willing to buy from you in a year, um, that takes constant um, mind to put to the, that type of question um, and how are we going to play there. So I think it is getting out and, and talking to peers, to studying your industry, to it's almost working yourself out of the day-to-day -day role and keeping that entrepreneurial mindset of where you go out and discover um, pieces. And obviously you have to do some of the you know, putting the systems in play that we can develop and do strategy and um, that. But I, I think looking at business models, even though it sounds like a lot of times business models are only for the very brand new business, you think about Amazon and how their business model has changed and how it's changed others' business models. Um, so I know my local Kroger didn't deliver groceries or you couldn't do walk-through and pickup till Amazon started shipping Prime um, yeah. Pantry, right? And so I think honing in on those business models and your value proposition um, and getting out and finding resources um, that help you go through those, uh, connecting with other people, going to conferences, reading, um, listening to your show, uh, things like that I think are really helpful to keep you looking at your business like it's brand new. Yeah, I, I like that. I think it's so challenging because I think it, it, how do I want to say this? I think it's hard to anticipate some of those changes. So I guess really what you're saying is you, you have to be out there. You really have to be paying attention to what is going on in the marketplace. Like at that meeting I was at this morning, I was sitting next to someone whose family has owned a um, magazine publishing business for, gosh, I don't know, maybe 40 years. And that whole landscape is changing and, and they're local magazines. That whole thing is changing. And he was talking about that they're hiring um, a digital strategist to come in and infuse the organization and, you know, other sorts of thinking. And I, and I, of course, my brain went to, boy, I wonder what you could be offering to your customers that they're not currently getting from you or anybody else that's still in the same vein. Absolutely. Because, right? I mean, just Absolutely. come on. There's got to be something that no one here is doing yet. I would agree. And so one, one of the things you're making me think of is, um, is experimentation. So how are you going to experiment? Um, so one of the things you can keep doing to grow is try some things out. I, I, we've been blessed with um, businesses that work with us on what's next. Um, so we're pretty transparent that we're learning there right with you. So, you know, we'll, we'll do something and ask, we've never tried this before. Are you guys willing to go there with us and try this with us? And they go, usually the answer is absolutely yes. Um, so we're kind of experimenting with our clients as we go. That's cool. I really like that. And I love that idea about experimentation. So it, it's probably a matter of, adding into your strategy and your um, 
tenants of your business that you there are going to be times when you are going to explore and be curious and find out what's out there and what isn't and talk to your customers and what's working for them and what isn't and be able to think outside of this is this industry you know it makes me think of Kodak and film and they totally missed the whole digital image thing and then tried to get there and couldn't because it, it you know it, it was gone it was past it had happened other people had yeah. really made their um their imprint on that whole industry absolutely interesting so so if you would um share with my listeners what you do there at aileron what 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 do you do with businesses what are some of your programs um what kinds of companies come to you for assistance how does that all play out yeah um so aileron uh works with companies across the country privately held businesses i would say our sweet spot starts when companies are getting into more complexity so it's more when they reach 10 employees or more or a million in sales or more or 5 million in sales when they're hitting a ceiling of growth where they they grow a little bit and then they drop down and then they grow a little bit but they drop back down um, so it's working with businesses that want to scale and grow and they need the disciplines in their business to keep allowing that to happen and so we'll work around uh, our doc model but it's around you know, what are the systems you're using to grow and develop people so that the people today are growing as fast as your business is? Because um, that's a huge problem is outgrowing people competency. Um, yeah. We work in the whole business model and value propositions and, and how do you use that as an evolving practice to make sure you're looking at your business um, strategy to use focus and uh, understand what's gonna be relevant to our customers in a year from now and two years from now and are we working towards that versus like the codec example you gave um certainly around leadership and and becoming more of a conscious leader um we love the fact that you don't have to be somebody else to be a good leader but you have to become aware of who you are to become a good leader um, oh i love that and then certainly in culture helping you become more visible uh, more intentional every every business we work with has a culture every family has a culture you don't need to design one they already have them you have a culture the question is is it working for you or not working for you um, so how do you become aware of whether that's working for you and if it is great and if it isn't how do you intentionally manage that so those are the areas that we play in um, and uh, we, we are blessed to have a founder who you know he grew the imes company from a small million dollar company to a billion dollars and he was so grateful for all the support he got when we were they were small realizing that there's not a lot of resources out there that help our these second stage businesses and so he put this place in play as a nonprofit, and people um you know can attend our course for presidents which is a two-day program around kind of that doc model I just described you get in a room with 20 25 other business owners and you start to realize the the heating and air conditioning 
company next to the big law firm, next to a big technology company, next to a steel company. And although the products are very different and unique, the problems and issues of growing and scaling a business are very relatable to each other. And so all of a sudden they start to realize they don't have to solve these, other people are having them, and they start to have this conversation that helps them you know, break through hopefully some ahas. Um, and then we have business advisors who will work with you and your team individually, uh, round strategy around putting a board of advisors in. Um, I could go on and on. It's, it's <laughs> such a fun group of people to work with. <laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. It's just there's, fabulous. Yeah, there's great, there's always so much energy because I'm working with people that can't be told no, like most of these small businesses. And I use the word small. Um, I don't know how people define it. Uh, they're big to us, you know, whether you're a $50 million company or a $10 million company or a $1 million company, they're in the fight. Um, they're creating so much good by running big, good, I mean, running good, solid businesses. Um, they care about their employees. They care about their communities. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun when you get all those people together. That's awesome. It's so great. I, I really appreciate the conversation and you, you know, taking the time to, to share the information with everybody um, because I think it's so important for business owners to uh, know they're not alone, to know that other people are probably experiencing the same things that they are and that they really can uh, take a look at themselves, be very conscious of how they're leading and the rules that they've developed over the years and uh, and change, you know, make some changes so that they can be more successful in their business. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And uh, oh, yeah. look forward to talking again in the future. Absolutely. So um, how, if someone's interested in learning more about Aileron, how do they find you? Uh, well, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on um, Facebook. Our website is aileron.org, A-I-L-E-R-O-N.org. Or if you want to talk to somebody, our uh, front line is 937-669-6500. Give us a call. Oh, terrific. Okay, cool. Thank you. And I'd like to thank our listeners and our sponsor. Remember to visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook when you sign up for it. Please continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.